1: The
2: has got scoring behind Townsend. And Jamie Bardi puts Leicester City in front. Fana, Evans and Soyuncu all set to make their move. And it's Johnny Evans who mops up. Still with Bardi. Iheanacho... Yet
3: another for in Acho Hello and welcome to 5,000 to 1, the Leicester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as always, a man who was part of a Foxes side that were taken to Olympiakos for a pre-season friendly, only to be greeted by 20,000 mad Greeks spitting and swearing, waving banners about Satan and the devil. That's a quote. And it's Leicester City legend, Matt Elliott. Matt, how are you? Yes, very good, Rob. Um... Get Did you say by. that then? 20,000 mad Greeks spitting and swearing at you, waving banners about Satan and the devil?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty much like that. I'm not sure there was quite 20,000. There was. It felt like it, but yeah, really hostile place when you go over there. <laughs> We're thinking it's a nice little friendly pre-season trip and we played Olymp- Olympiakos and AEK Athens in a three-way tournament over the course of, I don't know, three or four days, whatever it was. And yeah, I mean... But welcome to hell! Banners were Ooh. up there at Olympiakos. we were getting things thrown at us and spat at us, and it, it was it, it was, was a quite comical. Yeah, yeah, exactly, friendly. exactly. They didn't care. They didn't care. They're they're up for it. That's for sure. And half our team didn't even go out for the warm up. They didn't fancy it. <laughs> <laughs> but what were, um, what, what were the players like? What was the opposition like? Were they up for yeah, it as well? Yeah, yeah. It was. It had an edge to it for sure. Um, they weren't quite as hostile as the supporters were but uh, yeah they were up to all the old tricks you know trying to wind you up and grab you and pinch you and everything and feigning injury it it, it was it was was quite a quite a contest really for a pre-season game and it got quite feisty um I can't actually remember the result on the back of it I think I think we settled for a 2-1 defeat we didn't want to upset the locals (laughs) as long as you got out alive yeah exactly All's well that ends well and uh, that trip was famous, uh, in my mind, for one of the best nights out ever that I've, that I've had, um, with courtesy of Theo Zagarakis. I think I've mentioned it before on another show, but um, won't go into details, but it, it involved red carpets, white leather sets, VIP cordons, Greek dancing, flower throwing, smashing of <laughs> plates, unfortunately glasses and bottles as well, and a standoff with the local bodybuilders. But we all ended up serenely asleep. And waking up back in Blighty, safe and sound. So it was—it was a trip to remember, that's for sure. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Well, we've got loads to talk about in this edition of Five Thousand to One. Um, obviously, everything's happened this week. It's been a crazy week. Starting at Wembley, you and I were both there to see Leicester City reach the first FA Cup final fifty-two years. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about what was going on whilst that game was being played out. We were hearing all these rumours about the European Super League and how Leicester City have influenced that. We'll get into that as well. And we'll reflect on Leicester City's march towards the Champions League, something those... Uh, those big six and the rest of the 12 that try to conspire to have a closed shop of European competition would have hated so we'll get into that but first off right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months that's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts so go to theathletic.com forward slash to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's athletic.com forward slash Lesterpod. Now then, Matt, we were at Wembley looking forward to history being made, and it was made. But I mean, we heard you must have heard as well as we were making our way down Wembley Way, so to speak, without any fans. Well, there was a few fans, we'll talk about that. But um yeah, this European Super League concept came up, and by the time we got back, it all. We'll, um, Pleased as punch to see Leicester City get to the FA Cup final. Then uh, the announcement was made that um, 12 clubs were breaking away, six from the Premier League. And it was going to be a closed shop. And all hell has broken loose this week since. And and even though it's been the six uh, English clubs that have bore the brunt of it, it's affected every club because every press conference has been dominated with questions about it. it. For a while we thought, is this going to happen? And is this going to kill the dream? Because this is the thing and I wrote a piece about how this is an affront to what Leicester City have have achieved. You know, that dream, they've been living the dream, winning the Premier League 2016, playing the Champions League, getting to the quarterfinals. This was a club that, you know, come up from League One uh, over a very short period of time. The likes of Jamie Vardy from non-league. It, it, it's a fantastic fairy tale, and this would have killed it.
1: Oh, 100%, yeah. it, it was. It, uh, listen, it, it was scary, I suppose, to, to some degree at the time, but... I have to be honest, when I first heard it, I thought it was almost like an April Fool's joke. And I thought, hang on, what's going on? You you can't just throw this in out of the blue. Obviously, it's it's not something that, that's been discussed just overnight. It's been going on for God knows how long, behind the scenes from the uh, the big players, if you like. But it was all kept under wraps, wasn't it? You know, supposedly managers and even chief execs of certain clubs were unaware of the situation developing and arising and all of a sudden bang it was came out of the blue like a sledgehammer didn't it and people were genuinely concerned and worried and uh but personally i must admit perhaps i'm being a bit naive but i thought it all sounded like pie in the sky to me i thought you know you you can't just land this on people's sort of back end of one season and when was it meant to come into operation? I, you know, that was they just never- said as
3: soon as possible, didn't they? I mean, that could have been next season, but more than likely the following season. But what got me, and I spoke to people around Leicester City around that time, and one of the reasons, why, well, yes, they were concerned about it, but they were also a bit sceptical about it because yeah. they were thinking, well, if there's such massive opposition to it, where are they going to get the other clubs? I mean, they were talking about the 12 and another three coming in, which we all thought were going to be uh, PSG, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund. They quickly backed away from it. Went no oh, not for us and, and then they wanted another five that were gonna come in and be I don't know how they were gonna do this but they were gonna have five that were gonna be there on merit Um the others couldn't get relegated from it but those five could uh, where were they gonna get those five I mean I know there's a, they were talking a massive amount of money uh, going into the to the this competition but again what how was that sustainable where was that money coming from there were so many questions unanswered yeah. and I think Initially, Leicester just looked back at it and thought, well, let's just wait and see what they say here, because this could all be just um, pie-in-the-sky stuff, and no need to get too worried about it. And that's one of the reasons why I think they didn't issue uh, a statement condemning it until... I think it was like 6pm six, 6 p.m. on the night, Tuesday night, when uh, it all went belly up anyway. Um, so I think Leicester were very much, oh, let's, let's just be restrained and we're not going to go public and say too much about it. But they were involved in the uh, the meeting with the 14 clubs that would have been effectively left behind in the Premier League. And I'm sure Susan Whelan would have had a say in that. But um, I think they left it to others to lead the, pro- the protest. Certainly Everton were very, very strong in their statement. And I uh, um, the the owner of uh, Crystal Palace uh, came out on telly as well, speaking Brighton as well, spoke publicly, but that's not really Leicester's way. So they sat back and watched. But you're right about it. it, it just seemed a little bit surreal, didn't it? Really, really thought. Well, there's loads of questions here that are yeah. not answered. It, it doesn't seem feasible.
1: No, exactly, and it, it was amateurishly handled. You know, in, in how it was just dumped on people. It, you know, it it was dismissive in. in in many ways, but, you know, but also in how it was put across. It was, you know, talk of arrogance, um, it was back end of a season where people are challenging at that very time uh, for the FA Cup, but also you know, ongoingly the Premier League, the Champions League, Europa League, etc. And And then it, it, that is just dropped in as a, as a bombshell. Uh, for, for total disregard for, for everyone's sentiments and, and feelings. And I, I I just, it just struck me as weird, really, and not believable. Because for a thousand and one reasons, I can't see why it, it would work. It's certainly in that format that they were implying that everyone had signed up to. Like this ain't about. Without prolonging the, the point now, but they're, they're saying about oh, the money needs to be created because of the money that's been lost due to the COVID situation, primarily. Uh, listen, maybe clubs have just got to cut their cloth accordingly, more yes. so in, in the future, and so or or now, for instance, you know, if there was there was a general proposition for players to, I don't know, at the top end of the game, earn two hundred thousand rather than two hundred fifty thousand pound a week. You know, I I don't think there would be too much comeback from that if it was in the short term. You know, everyone's got to make adjustments. And there's enough money in the game. Well, it's all about money, isn't it? I mean, these these clubs, they are
3: the richest clubs in the world in terms of their revenue. But how rich are they when you've got, uh, you know, a billion pounds worth of debt? Are you that rich? Because I think inevitably one day we're going to have these clubs all link up at, at one stage. But it's put the power back into fans' hands now in many ways because they've they've got the uh, government on board and I don't really like government getting involved in football but in this sense if it turns around that uh, fans have got more representation of football clubs more of a say in the running of their football club so they're not like Sainsbury's I've seen that heard that analogy so many times you know about customers they're just customers they're not they're more than that you know, football clubs are part of their community. They can't just move. They shouldn't just move. I know that's an American concept, and a lot of this is an American concept um, without relegation and that. But um, if they can, if fans now will have an increased say and more power around their club, that can only be a positive that's come out of what has been a very dark negative.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, if that solution is, is feasible, then it definitely needs to be explored, doesn't it? Because, you know, from my view, as you see it, the, the, the owners... You know, there's some people saying, that you know, they're just custodians of the club in their time, perhaps morally, yeah, but legally, they're not. No, <laughs> you know, they they're only so, lock, stock and barrel. They? Yeah, they're, they're so powerful and they see it as, a you know, an entity, don't they? And certainly some of the um, international, you know, owners stroke investors within the club, uh, they see it primarily... <laughs> Well, not primarily solely as a business and that's worrying that's worrying because you're always you know at their uh behest really you, know, you decide what they decide to do determines the future of your club you know what what's to stop some of them just up in and selling to you know for whatever reason if they were in in in, in need of some quick money uh, <laughs> On a different scale, you know, they might sell the club to the wrong people. It's actually without too much care and attention. That's and happened. Yeah, exactly. That's happened at
3: various clubs.
1: Exactly, because you know, Leicester City are very fortunate. They have some conscientious um, owners and have done for the for the last few years. Uh, but and, and the club are you know so grateful and thankful to them, and they put their trust in that that ownership but that's not the case uh, with every club and it's worrying that the power that they they do possess and again that's something else that needs to be looked at in in, in terms of uh, how clubs are owned and run and how much liability the owners get and how much leeway they have because they're very precarious situations at times it's okay in the here and now when the money's there but that money can soon disappear and the club can be left in ruins.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover,
3: hello listeners sorry to interrupt your show but we've got a small favor to ask we're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you your podcast listening habits and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you if you feel like helping please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio uk that's pretty catchy so i'll say it one more time surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio uk thank you and it's that Leicester model that is at the heart of many of this because it was widely quoted. A Premier League executive uh, spoke to a national newspaper a few years back after Leicester City's title win in 2016 and said, "We don't want any more Leicester Cities." You know, and the fact that the Leicester are still up there challenging these elite—I mean, they're still there's only Man United and Man City of the Big Six—they're ahead of Leicester. In the Premier League and they're inching closer to reaching the Champions League which would have been a a locked door to them under this potentially under this Super League um, project that they uh, dreamed up Uh, and and the reason why they're edging closer is because they came up with another fantastic performance last night I thought um, admittedly against a very poor West Brom side I mean their front line was was absent it was just comical at times uh, West Brom but Leicester put them to the sword emphatically uh, in the first half, even though Brendan Rodgers was incensed with some of the sloppy passing and even gave the uh, the water bottles a, a good belting at one stage. And I've not seen him that animated on the touchline because he side with 3-0 up at the time. But uh, he really wanted them to put them to the sword in the, in the first half. But that was an impressive performance. And if you look at it, Vardy scoring his first goal after 11-game drought. Ian Nacho scoring his 12th goal in 11 games. Johnny Evans scoring his first goal... Um, since 2019, I believe. But that's four games that that back three of Evans, Siunsu and uh, Fafana have played together. And they've kept three clean sheets and only conceded one goal. And Leicester won the lot. You know, it's all building now, in contrast to last season, towards a really exciting finish to this season.
1: Yeah, pretty comprehensive, wasn't it? Against West Brom. Um, there's a different feel, isn't there? This campaign, without a doubt, and... You know, I've mentioned it a few times this season, that the depth of the squad is there, the belief within the camp is growing in confidence. And that they've got more durability and flexibility about, about their play for me. Last season, I thought when they were at their best, the first half of the season, you know, that they were almost unstoppable at times. And that was as good as I've seen a Leicester City-type play. But when all of a sudden, you know that not ground to a halt, but came up against a bit of a buffer, it, it there, there wasn't the alternative, um, and and it's a little bit one dimensional really. But now they've developed their game; they can, they can sit back and be solid defensively, as we see now with that back three, that's intimidating really. You know, with those those three centre halves for centre forward opponents going up against them it's a you know it's it's a dreadful prospect (laughs) and then but then they can go and dominate games you know with possession they can go and squeeze the opposition um they can play good short sharp interchange passes you know they've got so much variation to their play and i think they've got too much substance to to let things slip this time round. Still some work to be done, of course, but... Oh,
3: absolutely. I mean, already it's an historic season. I mean, Leicester got 59 points from their 32 Premier League games this season in their top flight history, only in 1963, adjusting to the three points for a win. And in 2015-16, the title winning season when they got 69 and 63 and 63. Have they had a better tally from their opening 32 matches to a campaign? It's all building towards what could be really and very memorable season. And it was great yesterday, I thought, to see Jamie Vardy getting a little bit back towards uh, his best. I mean, he's starting to really be um, a fantastic assist provider as well. But to get his goal as well, um, only Harry Kane and Suji Aguero have been directly involved in more goals in, in the Premier League uh, than Leicester Stry. He's got 116 goals and 37 assists in his 153 Premier League appearances. I mean, that's a phenomenal record.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad little stat to to mention is it um, from Jamie's point of view there's so many so many records that he's broken so many uh, achievements that he's made and yeah, there's an, another one there you know if anyone needed a reminder of what what a player he has been and still is for Leicester City uh, they don't need to look any further than that do they? you know that's the company that he's mixing with and uh, despite his Relative goal drought of late. There were never any really serious concerns that he's not going to get back on the trail at some stage. Excellent finish last night. Excellent contribution all round again from him. You're seeing different dimensions to his game now. He's playing a slightly different role. We can go rather than be that lone striker and at times be isolated and just rely upon chances being created for him. He's actually getting involved in the mix and he's supplying more than he's actually uh converting. So uh but he yeah he's still got a little way to go, I think you know, in front of goal. I think he has been a bit off um his normal levels. You know, I think that's fair to say, but his contribution has still been invaluable, hasn't it? And just ask Kalecchi in that show about that. But uh yeah, Le- Leicester looked real class outfit last night. There were big performances throughout throughout I mean the back three you mentioned imperious really yeah, although it was a stroll in the park for them quite honestly but I thought Tillermans was stroking the ball about beautifully you know the supply chain for the for the front men And Didi was just bossing everything and Madison came back like like he'd never really been away he was strutting around running play as well the link up between Tillerman's and Madison was really impressive and then on to the front too. You know, Leicester looked a quality outf- outfit. And the wing-backs, you know, I've got to give them a mention as well. <laughs> well, I was going to ask shout. you
3: about that, Matt, because I've done my match piece on the fullback situation at the club because we've seen in recent games, uh, Castagna and Pereira have um, been used as the two wing-backs. Both of them predominantly right-footed. Both of them have been switched over and played on the left. I mean, at Wembley, uh, it was Ricky P that played on the left and Castagna on the right. And we asked Brendan about it and he said, you know, he likes to play players in their preferred position and both of them prefer to play the right. Well, it begs the question, who's going to play on the left? And young Luke Thomas was given that opportunity uh, against West Bromwich Albion. And yeah, I thought he did very well, but he's still very young and he's still got a lot to learn. He probably could benefit from experience a 40, 50 game season out on loan somewhere. And with James Justin, we, we know, well, he's not going to be back until at least November. And then it's going to, as we've seen with Ricky P, it's going to take him a, a bit longer to get fit again, get back towards his best. And we won't see Ricky P back to his best until until next season. And with Christian Fuchs out of contract as well at the end of this, uh, this season, it looks like Leicester definitely going to be in the market for a left-back this summer. Now, the money's going to be tight. Um, obviously with the pandemic, 67 million loss, but they will tr- still try and support Brendan. And he's going to look to bring in four or five, I think, to try and strengthen, especially if they've got Champions League. But he's going to have to be very careful about how he recruits. Now, we've done the piece trying to look at some of the, the possible targets around Europe that would fit that bill. One of them that's come up is somebody he's worked with uh, at Chelsea, has had a contract at Southampton, Ryan Bertrand. and that, whether he will go for a player that's 31 you know, that would go against really the, the the club's recruitment philosophy. But in the short term, with uh, if Thomas went out on loan and got some experience and they're just holding down the fort for him to, to, to develop and JJ to get back to his best, that might be a solution. But I
1: wonder what you thought of that situation at the moment. Yeah, it's a tricky one really, isn't it? Because it's almost an embarrassment of riches Leicester have got in, in, in some ways. Um, yeah. You know, when James Justin is back, I mean, he's, he's predominantly right-sided. He is. Isn't he? As yeah. is Pereira, as is Castagna. But we know about the versatility of, of Justin in particular and, and the two other players mentioned. But I, I think Luke Thomas is It's a difficult one. I take your point there about him going out on loan. He probably would benefit from that, but he'll probably think, past going out on loan now you know sort of yeah semi thinking that i know i know it's a bit stop start for him but semi-established maybe that's not the right terminology but you know he'll feel that he's grown enough and he's competent enough to to go in and play a run of games at premier league level if necessary now Brendan rogers might have a different view on that okay i <laughs> i uh, I think maybe going on loan somewhere but not necessarily for a whole season you know it seems a little bit too long away from the club because luke thomas as we saw last night we've seen numerous times he can just slot in there and 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 he's naturally left-sided and he blends in well and it you know he's got so many attributes there's still a lot to learn as you say but very rarely does he let people down but um yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, did you? No one really envisaged Ricardo being effectively dropped, stroke rested. But <laughs> well, you know, a, a couple of months after he's coming back from injury, we you know it's difficult, and he's had a few little niggles, and but he hasn't got back into his full flow. That's for sure. And he looked—I thought he looked more uncomfortable on the left-hand side than Castagna does. Did. Um, and Brendan Rodgers talked about you know, about a lack of penetration when Castaignos on the left hand side
3: checking I, back all the time as well. Cause yeah, they want to go on the right foot, don't they? But uh... yeah,
1: but it's, it's not like the only thing I would say it's not like Castaignos whips in cross after cross after cross. You know, he he makes some great runs forward, and I don't know why he can't make those runs. No, like, he an underlaps sometimes, or you know, little give and goes. Why he can't do that on the left hand side, and perhaps. Look, he doesn't swing in crosses like Albrighton does too often, does he? But, you know, obviously more comfortable on the right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an area to be looked at, but I how many top-class full-back stroke wing-backs do you want in one squad?
3: Hmm. I suppose
1: it's just balancing things up a touch, isn't it?
3: That's the word, isn't it? Balance. Whether he, he wants, I mean, because he, he, he has spoken, Brendan has spoken about having that balance and, and Luke Thomas does provide that balance with his natural left foot, his ability to go out and put yeah. um, crosses into the box. We didn't see it a lot against West Bromwich Albion. I mean, he's only made 21 appearances uh, and, and I think he is the future for them going forward. It's whether they want to put that burden on him of playing 30, 40 games next season at left back. Um, but as you say, Castagne, Pereira, they could probably still fill in, but whether you want to go to the next level, whether you need a specialist in there,
1: the the, the quality it does need improvement if they're going to compete to some level. It, hopefully, in the Champions League and you know the top end uh, of uh, of the Premier League, etc. You know to sustain that constant development, and the club needs to show that to uh, to keep infusing Brendan Rodgers as well. Because, you know, he's dropped that in a couple of times in statements, hasn't he? I'm happy at Leicester. You know, we're developing, we're progressing. As long as I see that, I'm happy to be here. So Leicester can't afford to stagnate at all absolutely and part of that progression is reaching an fa cup final for the first time
3: in 52 years what an amazing experience that was i know there was it was overshadowed by what events elsewhere but to, to in the, in terms of the national uh, media and it didn't get um, highlighted as much but to us locals it's um it's an amazing achievement i did a piece with gary Lineker previewing um the game looking back at the 82 game against spurs that they lost the last time they got to a semi-final to finally get over the line into a final now. Now, and Brendan said it after the game, they've got to go and win it. You know, you don't be satisfied with that. You go on and win it. What What's it going to be like for the players now in the build-up to a cup final? Because you were captain of the last team that lifted a trophy at Wembley. Um, does it overshadow everything? Does it, does it, is it a distraction? Is it hard to focus on the league programme when you've got that to showcase event coming up?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, from from memory, <laughs> the, the best that I can I can drag back from all that time ago. I, if anything, it served as a as a boost, really, and you know it, it it improved you know our confidence, and obviously we were in high spirits. You know the 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 excitement of of qualifying for you know a major cup final was something that motivated you and inspired you, didn't distract you you know we went bouncing into to league games because all of a sudden we were sort of under the the impression that you know we must be a good side we've got to we've got to a cup final at Wembley you know we've we've got through so many stages we've come through different scrapes and situations and that that gave us an extra confidence in, in the league and you 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 don't you don't go into games thinking, oh, I'll just take it easy today, and I, you know, I don't want to risk doing too much wrong, or won't go into this challenge in case I get hurt. You, know, you start playing like that, then it affects your your rhythm, it affects your form individually, and then as a team, and then you end up going into the final with a bit of negativity. Unless they can't afford that for a number of reasons, you know, primarily because they need to continue winning games. Uh, to keep themselves where they are in the Premier League. And that, that's why I thought it was really impressive against West Brom, you know, to to have the high uh, of winning the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, albeit with no fans. And then it, after high, there's often a low, but Leicester didn't allow that to happen and went into the, the game superbly. Um, it can give you that extra edge, if if anything. You know, sometimes the players are that little bit more determined to maybe go and press try and get in the final. Team, uh, but uh, I think Premier League games are incentive enough, and uh, in, the, in their in their their own uh, isolation, really, because you know each week that the competition for places is so severe, isn't it? Within a squad of Leicester's size and quality, that you need to perform week in, week out, game in, game out, and uh, there'll be no letting up, no respite from Leicester's point of view and achieving things as a group was rightly celebrated by Brendan Rodgers but he's also right to accentuate the point of you know okay we've worked very hard to get here but the main work is still yet to be done let's go and maximise the opportunity we've got coming our way by winning the final not just appearing in it
0: FX's Welcome to Rexim
4: premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live, customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League Goals Roundups? I mean, really listened to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13, and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood and although striker A squandered a guilthead's chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic.
3: And what do you think their chances are of doing that, of achieving that and being the first Leicester team to ever lift the FA Cup? They're up against Chelsea. They've had a, a transformation there under Tuchel. They're they're a lot more resolute defensively, a lot stronger. They've got some good attacking talent as well, although I think they really miss that out-and-out centre-forward that Leicester have got in Jamie Vardy. But... Um, that's going to be. I think that's going to be a great game. I really do think that's going to be a
1: classic final. Listen, Leicester have got every chance. Um, in in external media and, and people's eyes, naturally they sort of tend to lean towards Chelsea because you know, I don't know the glamour that's associated with them, the, the competitions that they won over recent times, and you know I suppose they've got that top level experience within the ranks, but. Leicester's players, you know, are a very, very high standard themselves and pretty experienced as well individually when you look across the board. And I, I, I think it's pretty much 50-50 in my view. Leicester have got as good a chance as Chelsea. You know, they've beaten Chelsea this year. OK, different setup, slightly, different manager, different mentality maybe. But they're not infallible, Chelsea. They do look impressive, they're very well-structured. Um, as are Leicester, and you know it could be a, a very tactical battle uh, with individualism sort of sprinkled throughout, and who can produce those key moments? But but you know, Leicester of uh, Leicester are above Chelsea in the league, you know some people need reminding of that. Yeah. It, it wasn't just a freakish result early in the season; they're doing it consistently and, and looking good to remain above Chelsea. Still, some work to do. So, listen, Leicester can be very confident of of getting success. What what an achievement it would be as well, wouldn't it? And what a glorious way to achieve that success by turning over Chelsea. But um, looking forward to finding out one way or another, that's for sure. Absolutely, it's going to be a
3: really enthralling and exciting end to the season for Leicester City. Champions League is in their grasp if they can just keep this going with some uh, big games coming up against Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham and then the FA Cup. Stay with the Athletics, stay with 5000 as well, as well as we take you through what could be a, a fantastic end to the season for Leicester City. Matt, thank you very much for your time again today.
1: Pleasure, mate. Look forward to seeing you soon. See you there on Monday night, yeah?
3: Absolutely. And we'll hear from you again, guys, soon when you join us again on 5000 to 1.
1: The
4: Athletic.